The Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, which is providential, as this very chapter was referenced in this morning's uh, Bible study that took place the hour prior to worship. It's from the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, the opening 14 verses, the story of a prophecy that Ezekiel receives from the Lord involving a vision of bones that had no longer life. And that situation is reversed through the breath, the spirit of the living God. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all round, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophecy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Not coincidentally, our New Testament reading this morning is... The opening verses of the second chapter in Acts, where we begin to hear about the events of Pentecost. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue 
rested upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. On this Pentecost Sunday, our our New Testament reading reminds us of this miraculous occurrence that took place ushering in a new era in God's great creation drama. Just as Jesus had promised and in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy had accomplished, His Spirit, a divine presence, came not just upon a select person or two, but upon all of Jesus' disciples who had been gathered together in that room in Jerusalem, waiting in obedience to his instructions. The Holy Spirit then reanimated them as new creations and equipped them with the tools that were necessary for carrying out the duties they had been called to perform, manifesting the kingdom of God in very powerful ways. The rest of the Pentecost account introduces us to that work, and the rest of the book of Acts describes in more detail the amazing array, diversity, and beauty of the work they were enabled to perform thanks to the presence of the Holy Spirit that was dramatically at work within them. This Pentecost day, we remember what happened in, to, and with Jesus' friends 2,000 years ago, and we also reflect on the reality of the Holy Spirit as it continues to abide with his followers even up to now. When speaking about this Holy Spirit, or even when thinking about the Holy Spirit, we really are dealing with one of the great mysteries of our faith. I was reminded of that again while preparing the sermon for today. I regularly pray for guidance from the Holy Spirit as I am about this work each and every week, asking that I would be directed to sense from the scriptures the particular word that God has for his people at a particular time in this particular place. And this week is a bit unusual in that regard as as I'm called to recite sort of an autobiographical sketch on a mysterious essence of God's presence. The task is perhaps made a bit more difficult in our Reformed theological tradition, which many of us know quite well. It's one which has a strong and a proud history of study and investigation into the Word of God, holding the Holy Scriptures in very high esteem and seeking to better know the one who made us and claimed us through his holy word for us. Other traditions place greater weight on an experiential knowledge of God based on their personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. For such people, it it may well be somewhat less troublesome 
to communicate an understanding of the third person of the Trinity and the special role that it plays in one's faith life. One thing that is certain, however, is that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we are dealing with a great mystery of the divine. And we acknowledge such when we conclude our prayers of the people each week with the words, through Jesus Christ and in the mystery of the Holy Spirit, we do pray. We've been beginning our times of corporate worship together with the lighting of a candle to paradoxically both signify the presence of the Holy Spirit in and among us even as we are petitioning God to send forth a fresh anointing of that same Spirit so that we may be drawn into closer communion with one another and with God through our act of worship. We shortly, we will gather together around this table of the Lord, Jesus Christ, which he has set for his followers still to partake of the meal, the meal that he has given us. And in so doing, we will eat of the bread and drink of the cup, which through the mystery of the Holy Spirit becomes for us the body and blood of our dear Savior. Yes, there's a lot that we don't understand about the Holy Spirit that we can't get our minds around, but what Scripture and two millennia of church experience can assure us of is that just because we haven't got this firm grasp on the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't have a firm grasp on us. Just because we can't see, hear, smell, taste, or feel the advocate which Jesus has sent us to abide with us doesn't mean that we are bereft of the presence of the very living God right here in our world, in our lives, yea, even in our own beings. The proof is, as they say, in the pudding. In this morning's brief account of the beginning of the Pentecost experience shared by Jesus' disciples in Jerusalem, they received power to do the improbable. On account of the use of this power, they were able suddenly to reach thousands of people with the news of the gospel of Jesus. On a smaller scale, I see evidence of that sort of thing taking place even today, even right here. I'm constantly equal parts humbled and amazed at the breadth and the width of the regions to which the good news of Jesus in word and in song go out to from within the very walls of this historic sanctuary. For 315 years now, that same word has been spoken and sung, and it has touched and transformed the lives of generations of families who have been part of this congregation over the years. In turn, they have spread the message of truth and hope to untold numbers of people that they have been in contact with, and now we are able to directly deliver word of the good news to virtually every corner of the earth each and every week. How improbable. In Acts, Luke says that in the immediate aftermath 
of the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples, they addressed people. People who included Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, all of whom had been gathered in one place in Jerusalem for the Jewish Feast of Grain. A few years ago, we started sharing some of the sacred music that was performed here on a weekly basis with the rest of the world via a service on the internet. A little over a year ago, we expanded that capacity to include recording and sharing each week's sermon on a number of internet-based audio streaming services and podcasting networks. Messages of God's goodliness, His faithfulness, His power, and His grace have reached folks across this country and in Canada, Mexico, Jamaica, the United Kingdom, Germany, Ireland, Turkey, Brazil, Norway, Australia, Japan, Zimbabwe, and a whole list of other places spanning six continents. Over in the fellowship hall, on a, a, a bulletin board there, we've got a map of the world, and on it we've got push pins and map tacks, each one signifying a country that has been reached by the word of God that has emanated from this very sanctuary, very improbable. The Spirit has also been active here at Rehoboth through the work that we have been accomplishing through our ministry partners, local, regional, and national, and even international efforts to combat suffering in a variety of forms have been and continue to be addressed. We receive annual updates on the impact of the contributions that we and other churches make through Operation Christmas Child, the shoeboxes that we pack and ship all over the world. We receive regular reports detailing the kingdom work being done by Mark Hare and Jenny Bent, our missionary co-workers in Central America, who sent us, in fact, another update just quite recently. And at the beginning of next month, we are meeting with Steve Adkins, our long-term ministry partner here locally, to evaluate the past, the present, and the future of our collaborative mission work. We trust and we anticipate the Spirit will lead us into some new and even more surprising and improbable ventures together. Having looked now at the scriptural and historical context of Pentecost and the way that the Spirit has been guiding and directing our corporate ministry efforts of late, I'd like to conclude by inviting you to take some time to reflect on your own personal relationship to and awareness of the work of the Holy Spirit within each and every one of you. I see the blessing of the Holy Spirit as both a liberating and a democratizing force. By that I mean that we are on a very level playing field when it comes to the Spirit. Our, our different backgrounds don't matter, just as those of the disciples didn't matter. We, like they, come from different places and different professions. But the same Spirit which set them free from the constraints which stood in the way of 
becoming faithful witnesses for God, has come to us in a similar fashion and accomplishes the same improbable and mysterious changes in us. So the question I'd like us to be thinking about in the days to come is what do these changes enable us to do? What are we called, given our own situation and our own particular gifts and or limitations, what are we called to do? As I noted earlier, this may be a rather challenging exercise, especially among those who tend toward a more intellectual approach to our faith. But exercise is, after all, the way that muscles are strengthened over time. So please humor me. My hope is not simply that you'll feel a little bit uncomfortable, just the opposite, really. My prayer is that you will hear a fresh word from the Spirit, the one who has the power to breathe new life into dusty old bones, the same Spirit who has transformed the uncertain disciples into unwavering apostles, that you will experience for yourself the quickening of your own spirits. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God, And amen.